The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Duncan. Hey everybody, welcome to Firescape. <laughs> hey y'all. Firescape, Firescape. You want to do that? We just had uh, but, uh, Bing, Bing Crosby yeah, come in for a minute. Yeah, the ghost of Crosby I was just in. possessed by the ghost of Bing Crosby. Yeah. He was uh, skipping, I saw him just before you guys arrived actually, he was skipping down the street here in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I, yeah. I never knew him to be a Brooklyn sort of guy, Bing, you know. I, always just, I never thought him to be Bing Brooklyn. I always thought he was more of sort of a, a Bing Bryant Square sort of guy. Yeah, well, he's obviously hard to keep tabs on. He just came in yeah. somewhere. Or another neighborhood in Manhattan beginning with B. Any other neighborhoods in Manhattan uh, beginning with B? Um, no, is it only uh, Bryant Square? I don't know. Uh, Bleaker yeah. Street. Bleaker Bing and Bleaker. Bleaker Bing. The Breast Village. The the Breast Village. Um, uh, obviously, or the, the Beast Village. Yeah. Bing, the Bing of the Beast Village. Um, the Beast of the Bing Village. Uh, where have we got? How did we get to this point? Um, <laughs> oh, anyway, but if it, if it was the spirit of Bing Crosby, which I think it probably was. I feel pretty certain. I think that. it was who take, took a hold of us. He could be here in Brooklyn. He could also be in Bryant Square, probably at the same time, because he's a ghost, which means he lives in the eternal realms, which is a timeless space. Everywhere, um, all the yeah. time. Anywhere, all the time, whenever he wants. So yeah. he could be probably right now sitting next to you, listener, in Norway. Oh, yeah. He's there. And if he is there, I hope he takes possession of you too and you're singing the yeah. same Christmas song as us. Well, yeah. It doesn't have. I mean, it doesn't have to include the fire escape if you don't. If you don't want it to be. But Merry Christmas! I say it's hey. not. What about? I mean, I'm getting a bit ahead of the game. I'm feeling very festive because uh, it's dude, snowing I'm, outside. I'm full blown festive mode. I, Merry Christmas, Happy Guys, Holidays, all of it to everybody. I mean, you know, it's Christmas time. Yeah, hundred percent. Speaking of being Crosby, any guess as to where he was born? Massachusetts. I'm gonna say um, St. Louis. Howell is closer. Okay, Tacoma, Washington. How about that? Yeah. Oh, my God. West Look at that. Someone, someone's ringing me. Someone is ringing me. Oh, Mr. Popular over there gets phone calls. <laughs> I was say. Is it your mummy? No, sorry. That's not silence. Oh. That shouldn't have happened. The purple sorry, silence? guys. That was, that was not the purple silence. I'm saying my phone was on silent. I don't know why that happened. Mm, mm, uh-huh. mm, apologies, everybody. But anyway, I was saying, like, I mean, for me, like, the snow is falling here in Brooklyn. The ghost of being is present. But, like, when the snow falls... I mean, partly because I, before I moved to the States, obviously I was in the uh, the southern parts of the United Kingdom, and snow is a rarity. Like maybe once a year yeah. if you're lucky, and when it does turn up, it's like a meager half an inch, and it's kind of wet, kind of more sort of sleety than, than snowy. Yeah, no, I think over here people, have, of course, have a sort of perpetual idea of Britain being some sort of Dickensian wonderland, yeah. you know, with um, Tiny Tim hobbling through the streets yeah, um, exactly. with, with five turkeys, you know, and um, <laughs> as like blizzards, blizzards, turkey. as with blizzards, Swirling almost every day of the year, in fact, yeah. you know. Yeah. Please, sir, can he have some more? And that's Oliver. Um, but what does Tiny Tim say? 
God Lord bless us, us everyone. everyone. Yeah, that's better. Um, so, unfortunately, it wasn't like that when I grew up. Well, it was a bit like that sometimes, you know, but I obviously I wasn't uh, suffering from uh, a lack of Christmas fare yeah. Yeah. When, or spirit um, when I was a kid. But, you know, when snow falls like it is now, and we've had, what, three snowfalls in the past of five days here in yeah, New York City? Yeah, something like that. You know, as a, as a Britisher, you know, I mean, what I should probably say is like a Southern Britisher. A Southerner? A Southerner, of course, is a yeah. Southerner. Um, that... This amount of snowfall, and also in the west of Wales, uh, you rarely get huge amounts of snow unless you're on the top of the hills. You know, by the coast where I am um, down there, um, it's mild. Yeah. So snowfall for me, I just become childishly excited, like everyone does. But you know, I yeah. think it has like special currency. I mean, I literally get filled with sort of a particularly pre-Christmas, yeah. a wild, well, festive fervor. I mean, in, in being from Alabama, it used to hardly ever. I mean, other than the the Great Blizzard of '93. Um, was that a famous blizzard? Oh man, was that yeah. the last time it blizzarded? Yes. It was like, yeah, yeah eighteen inches or something. Like that. It was like a proper blizzard for, especially yeah. for Alabama. It's like, what do we do with eighteen inches of snow? Like that's, it's not much you can do about that. No, but uh, it snowed in Birmingham this year before, before Christmas. it did here in the city. Yeah. Well, it, it but it snowed. snowed in Texas, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the, before we had our first snow in the city, which is the day before, yeah, impossible. You know, which is crazy because, like, you know. And I guess it's probably similar for up here in a lot of places, but I mean, well, not a lot of places. You know, the the Midwest is like, oh, it's early November. It's already snow, or it's you know, it's snow starting late this year. Yeah. Uh, but for you know most of the East Coast and stuff, you get your main. Oh, that is an interesting. You know, like white Christmases. It's like, I mean, where are you? Like Poland and like Minnesota, where it's like snowing on Christmas. Christmas Day, like, just doesn't do that very many places. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, my folks live in, up in the mountains in North Carolina. So it's just always yeah, snowing there. The it's snowing in the yeah. summer up there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know. Uh, in Colorado. I, we had one, the, our first Christmas in New Was it our first Christmas in New York? No. Yeah, I think it snowed that. Well, no, I can't remember. It just feels like, know. at least on the... Uh, on the east coast, uh, on like you know the eastern east of the Mississippi in the United States, which obviously everybody knows is the most important region in the world. Yeah, absolutely. To, yeah. to all the people who because live here. of course east of the Mississippi also includes uh, Wales as well. That's true. Technically yeah. speaking, That's right. technically speaking, yeah, right. so, yeah, very important. Uh, and depending on how east. far you go east, I mean, it can include the western half of the United States. Also you true. All if you're going to take that logic matter, to, matter it, to its conclusion, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? So, California listeners, you're welcome. Is what we're saying. Yeah. You're, yeah, welcome. You, you're, you're welcome. Unless you're you believe in the, in the flat Earth, then East is just <laughs> infinite <laughs> abyss. What? Uh, well, there's an edge. There's an edge yeah. coming. Essentially, yeah. if you believe Snow in wall. the flat Earth, there's there's an edge, the and then a, then a drop. Um, well, I you know, in terms of being lost in the festive fervor, you know, you were saying that obviously the mountains, and, um, but in the yeah. eastern Mississippi, that it, I mean, I think the sort of festive, a lot of snow this, yeah, year, so of snow this yeah. year. But I think it seems to me, like, to correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I think there's, if if there is this sort of you know this idea of sort of Dickensian Britain where the where the snow falls, but you know, you see that in popular culture, don't like was that movie a few years ago with Jude Law and Kate Winslet, um, the, the holiday? holiday? Oh yeah, the holiday. Well, I mean, this year, God damn, I, I just love. Hate that film. You know, almost at the same time. <laughs> okay, nothing bad will be said about the holiday. Big shout out to Jude for your excellent yeah. acting chops and that work. You, Keep at your it. Your giddy fella. smile and your happiness. I've seen the first fifteen minutes of that. Movie. Fifteen Dude, times. Just well, you just <laughs> just leave 
now. Just leave Kate. Leave I'm Kate it. alone. It's, it's more. It's on important. Amazon Prime yeah. right now. Yeah, I've watched it. Oh yeah, okay. this year already. Yeah. But but you it's know that f- that film does a good job, doesn't Even it, now. of a sort of like Beatrix Potter-esque sort of thatched cottage, snowy English wonderland. Doesn't you're it? you're looking at me right now, and I can't answer that question. Pete, answer that question for me. Yes, like the I'm holiday, the holiday kind of conjures in a modern way that sort of. Yeah. sort of happy vision of a sort of British Christmas of sort of thatched cottages and, yeah, totally. well, and mulled wine and Jude Law dressed as a yeah, as an elf. Sweaters or, and yeah. You no, know, it's sweaters. Uh, yeah. You know, sweaters, etc. Sweaters and tea and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but well I mean it has to be that way because uh, Just because it has to be Cameron Diaz yeah. and uh, who's the other gal? Uh, it's Kate, Winslet, Winslet, isn't it? Yeah, Winslet. Yeah. They, Winslet you know, and Diaz, a classic combo. Yeah. From LA and mm. So like, because Christmas never happens in LA, right? It's a bit like yeah. Christmas doesn't happen in Australia as well. Yeah, yeah. So if she goes to, you know, goes to wherever the countryside of England <laughs> she goes to, to a cabin for Christmas on holiday, and it's not snowing. Well, that's a stupid movie. I mean, you're not gonna. No one's gonna watch that movie. No. But I'm. But what I was about to say is that you know that's being sold as the sort of British equivalent. You know, um, Diaz, dear Diaz, comes all she flies all that way to experience it. But you know, I think the same is true from our side of the pond. I think we have a an idea of. I think it's an East Coast American Christmas. People will think of it as like an American Christmas. But yeah. I think yeah. in the UK, the idea of American Christmas is essentially like New York with like the lights and the snow swirling yeah. around Central Park. Like, that was definitely one of those things that when I first like experienced snow in New York City at this time of year, that again, it was one of those moments where I was hit by just sort of cultural deja vu. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a bit like, I've been here 50 times before. When I was like, actually, when I you think of movies I've never like been here. Elf and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the, the snow is always, uh, it's, it, it's definitely like the snow that they portray in Christmas movies about New York City. Yeah, like the Miracle that's on March Fest, snow. Yeah. Like, that's not that's not December <laughs> snow. It's always like, man, there's like a foot of snow out here. Like that, yeah. that like there's what there's maybe a quarter of an inch of snow outside right yeah. now. Maybe, yeah. and it's that right. sort of yeah. tiny snow. You know? well, yes. well, and it's the snow that's not blowing at you sideways at like thirty yeah. miles an hour. Yeah, 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 which yeah. Is, But that's the sort of snow like you see in like the Miracle on Thirty Fourth yeah. Street. Yeah, or, serendipity. You know. Yeah, and serendipity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I really invest in that. And like, and if it's before Christmas, that's when I think it's particularly meaningful. You know, when that sort of snowfall hits in late January here in New York or in early February, people think it's the apocalypse. Yeah, but like, if yes. it happens. In mid-December, everyone's like, this is joyful. It's a Christmas like, miracle. Dig, the, out, dig out. It's a Christmas miracle. The, the roads aren't lined with the four-foot blocks of gray trash <laughs> yeah, ice. Yeah, you know? yeah, that, yeah. Like, by January, February, you're just like, well, usually February. We're done. I, mean, I remember, was it like two or three years ago? I think it was January 2015 where there was... Um, a pretty, a pretty heavy snowfall that was oh, yeah. it, no it wasn't it was like January 2016 where there was like the biggest one ever do you remember mm. it was like the snow apocalypse it was like yeah. late January early February last year but the January before that they forecast a similar sort of snowfall mm. and I just arrived back it was like mid January and it was my first ex- first experience of like experiencing that sort of like end of the world panic that people feel here or like gets conjured by the tabloid newspapers particularly when that sort of heavy snowfall comes to New York yeah the milk and bread snow and I remember landing back and I open it like seeing a paper in the like the New York Post or whatever in the bodega and people it was like the end of the world it was like a thousand inches of snow is coming (laughs) you know and people were genuinely like 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 raiding the shops and buying huge barrels of water and like enough toilet roll for about five years and I remember saying to one of my neighbours I was like is this a thing and 
he was just like he was like everyone's lost their fucking minds <laughs> he was like just ignore it like you know you'll be fine you'll still be able to go to the bodega and buy some oatmeal tomorrow like it's yeah. okay oh, but yeah. I was genuinely like picked up on the panic a little bit I was yeah. a bit like shit I was like should I be buying a month's supply of Hershey bars just so I survive probably yeah. yeah I mean I've taken that lesson with me ever since and I Lemons still buy and those things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. scurvy and the- but it was it was like people were scurrying in you know it was like the end yeah. of days it's always like because I mean that that's the thing. If there's just threat of snow in Birmingham, Alabama, like people just go out, like, buy, go they nuts. go and buy five guns. Yeah. Or and I was not stuff. expecting that to be the same <laughs> thing here. I was like, it'll be fine. I was like, we needed to go to the grocery store. We've been putting it off, and then like it was the day before a big snow here, and I was like, well, we're just gonna go to the grocery store. Mm-mm. Mistake. Oh yeah, uh, it was awful. Yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you skin it? Um, do people do things like emergency cracker barrel visits when the snow's coming in in Alabama, or do they go? Do they interpret it as that as like the form of a nuclear shelter? You know, yeah, like you pack go a bag and, and you go yeah. to the cracker you, you barrel go, to, yeah. to wait out the storm. <laughs> I mean, you buy every, you go to the grocery store, you buy every loaf of bread. I know that in Cracker yep. Barrel they have a month's supply of meat and three just for me well, eternally, and, and everyone has a decorative musket on the wall of <laughs> yeah. fireplace that at least yeah. make you feel better, and you'll be able to defend and yourself about invaders. Issues. Go ahead and get the, get the wolves. That's right. The wolves. But yeah, I mean, the only time when I saw that play out and actually thought it was valid was the snowfall in February 2016, or that it was like the biggest yeah. one ever. I mean, I, re- I mean, that was a remark. I'd never seen anything like that. I yeah, mean, was I'd yeah. never experienced anything like that. You know, it was it was genuinely like a sort of nuclear winter. Just in terms yeah, you're of talking about like 2014. No, 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 a year last before year. this last one. Year yeah, was yeah, good, yeah, yeah. It was it was w- heavy. I mean, worse than. Uh, than what was it, Hercules or whatever? Twenty I there, guess that was twenty fourteen. There was yeah, uh well I thought it was twenty fifteen that we had oh, I can't remember what year it was. I remember there was one we went out, me and Brandy went out to hundred and twenty fifth street mm. and it was like it really did look like the apocalypse. Yeah, this like, was this was, was like the beginning of the so it feels like two years ago now because yeah. it was like January two thousand and sixteen, so almost yeah, yeah it may have been it. Um I mean yeah, it was it was desolate yeah I, I mean i got really excited but i remember seeing people like hustling to the shops like the day before yeah and then when it hit i was like okay so that was like 20 percent of that panic was probably valid because this is pretty extreme now how who is in charge of your uh your decorations here at your house um my housemate lisa is in charge i think actually mm-hmm. lauren will be offended if she says that only lisa was in charge mm-hmm. i said lisa was in charge because it's lisa's tree Okay, and I have Lisa has a tree which she keeps in the house all year round. You know, it's one of those uh, dare I say fake trees, um, mm, fake, fake news, fake trees, <laughs> sad. Um, sad, fake trees, sad. Uh, but she has one of those um, trees which she keeps in a box. And I remember one year, a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm going to buy a tree, and Lisa was like, Don't buy a tree. I have a tree, and I was like, What do you mean you have a tree? And I was not familiar with the whole uh, sort of you know store yeah, away tree, tree thing. But yeah, so that's Lisa's tree, and um, it's also I think she's provided the wreath that we have on the table here, or the nutcrackers, also the little nutcracker figures we have up there. On the uh, mantelpiece as well. I like well. those. Yeah. What about the poinsettia? Poinsettia? The poinsettia? There's a flower out there on the uh, on the coffee table. Oh, it's huh. traditional. I didn't even notice that. I read something interesting about the poinsettia today. Tell us about Tell that. Tell it. So I, I was like trying to research particularly like southern, like the origins of southern traditions, right? Christmas traditions. Hmm. Which I didn't think the poinsettia was exactly a southern thing because you see it all over the place. But I did learn that um, there was some, could have been some politician or something from South Carolina met with like some uh, a Mexican. Strom Thurmond. No. Okay. I think, George Wallace. Nope. Nope. Earlier. 
Roy Moore. <laughs> He's been there forever. <laughs> well, you're not saying South Carolina things, man. Oh, yeah. sorry, man. Yeah, it's sorry. South Carolina. Don't impugn the name of Alabama. <laughs> but this uh, this fellow met with because apparently it comes from Mexico, and he took some clippings from this Mexican dignitary that he met up with, brought it back to his yard in South Carolina, and started growing it there. Hmm. And, and that's, that's why poinsettias are popular here now. Yeah, it's because nice. this fellow brought them. Uh, it's an alien plant. It makes sense that they came from Mexico because when I think about it in like uh, in my brain ways, uh, the poinsettia bowl yep. is a like college football. Well, I'm, you know, so essentially what we're saying is an immigrant plant. Yeah, it's yeah. come here stealing yeah. our plants. But the South, it's a dreamer. It's a, it's a dreaming us, plant. It's know. a dreamer. It's, it's come to this fine country. It's it's Sorry. stolen the place of other plants. Yeah, and while we're it's on probably it. it's probably chasing our daughters as we speak. While we're yeah. on, some of them are, I'm sure are good plants. Yeah, some of them I'm sure are good plants and do something useful. Oh, rough. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. you know, I welcome them is what I'm saying, and I think they're free to dream. And yes. I'm not going to report that plant to the authorities, to the uh, to the gardening authorities of the United States. Nor will yeah. I. The uh, kudzu, the GCE, maybe kudzu could. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken go back. You know where we going with this. Hey, well, here's I'll I'll I'll. I'll fix well, this. We almost segue beautifully into the southern traditions. I know. Of I Christmas, got, like we I were heading there one. so perfectly. I got another one. How. <laughs> so for uh, I learned Alabama. That's right, Alabama. The now the the bluest state in the union. The bluest state in the union. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad we actually are not shying away from mentioning that because on our no, last episode not. we were on the. As if anyone was listening last week to our interview with um, C and Greg, um, yeah. uh, C Bangs and Greg Matloff, that we, we recorded it on the night of the uh, Roy Moore um, and Doug Jones election standoff. And now right. I actually was genuinely thrilled. I mean, I just, yeah. I, I know I've already said this to you guys, but I actually want to communicate to the world. I mean, I had a hilarious New York moment where I like dashed back because we were, we went and had a drink, didn't we, after yeah. we recorded the session? And then um, I dashed there to go and um, meet. My current date, dare mm-hmm. I say, and um, uh, and we I just to go and meet her, uh, Megan. Shout out to Megan, and um, and we got to this bar at the right time, and um, just before the election result came in, and then it came in, and I cheered, and I like chucked my hands in the air, and I was like, woohoo! And no one else in the bar was responding; they were just watching the ball game, and I was like, I'm in New York City, yep. and no one gives a shit. Well, the thing that's not to go too far deep into this, but the thing that is funny about because me and Coulter were also at the bar that you left us from, yeah, the one and, you abandoned uh, us to. Thanks and, for the invite to the other bar, by the way. Yeah, well, you know, I was Very on a date. What can I, I say, know. guys? I can't tell yeah. you everywhere. Well, uh, we'll work on that. <laughs> um, you know, and we're we're sitting there talking about we. You know, we have our our kind of boisterous celebration after we we catch the news and we get some kind of sideways looks. And I'm I was sitting there in like this kind of um, I don't know this this sort of like cynical feeling arose where I was like, you know, if we would have lost this election, we would have been hearing a lot of people talking trash in New York City that Alabama elected Roy Moore, but we won. And we're cheering, and none of these people knew. None of them yeah. paid attention. They didn't know. They were just yeah. waiting to be able to shake their finger at Alabama. That's what that's. Yeah, yeah. Not to go too true. far deep into it's that. Charles Barkley says nobody wants to look like an idiot. That's well, right. it was like I was chatting, and we've um, in the past have shouted out to my friend Glenny down in Alabama, who I know listens in, and I'm big up to you, Glenny, if you're listening. Yeah. Who is uh oh, I think I like to think of her actually as the Forest Gates representative in, in in Alabama whilst we were up here. Yes, she's one of our correspondents on the ground, <laughs> and um, she yeah. was sending text messages during the evening. And um, 
But she, uh, when I was talking to her on the day of the vote, she told me this great thing where I was. We were just talking about the, like the contours and the shapes of the, uh, you know, like the history of these things and like election politics in the South. I'm sure you guys are pretty um, on top of that. But she just told me this absolutely fantastic thing where she just was trying to describe the feeling in the air, you know. And she was like, "It feels crazy, and I don't know where to be, and I'm walking all over the place." And we talked about that the last one briefly, but. We were talking about how um, why she thinks a lot of people were probably still going to vote for more, even if they thought he was an asshole, essentially. And she was trying to explain that to me and why they don't necessarily might not even necessarily be like die in the world um, Republicans. And she was like, they just don't. She was like, they don't like. She was like, people in Alabama just don't like to be told what to do by other people from out the state. I was like, what do you mean? And she was just like, she just went, and then she just, it just burst out of her mouth. She just said, we will not be told. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like that's, a died in the world Democrat, you know. Um, yeah. But like the sentiment was just like, was just, it was fierce there. It was in her soul. It burst out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We will not be told. Like yeah. that. And I was, there was this sort of slight gap. And I was like, I'm not, I, w- I will never tell you what to do. <laughs> That weren't plenty. I, I wasn't telling you. I was telling you nothing, and um, but I kind of jotted it down because I just thought it was so great. You know, it was like a rallying cry. But we'll not be told. Make sure you remember that, man. That's yeah, right. but you know, sure enough, I think half of the, uh, almost literally half of the state. Um, yeah. Or just over half, in fact. Um, yeah. They would not be told, but they made their own choice and the right choice. That's right. Mm-hmm. I would say. That's right. Uh, I was thrilled. I almost had a bit of a cry. I mean, I'm sure you guys did too. But, yeah, it was. Um, it's pretty exciting. Um, and also, like you know, for me, as you guys know, like I have a of a lot of time for Doug Jones for specific reasons because he was the prosecutor of the two final Klansmen of the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church, uh, yeah. 25 years after the event. Um, so that which is obviously at the heart of that project that I've been working on. So I was aware of him myself, you know, several years ago. So he's not a completely anomalous figure for me. So mm-hmm. I was really thrilled to see that he was stepping up yeah. to be the candidate anyway, you know, in the first place. Um, so uh, I'm particularly thrilled that he went in. And obviously uh, now I'm going to have to seek him down to have a conversation. That's right. I'll probably bring him on the show. Yeah, Stay tuned. You better believe it. So to keep in the theme of, mm. of the, uh, the praises of Alabama, we, uh, uh, not we, but I, I was reading uh, this thing explaining Southern Christmas traditions. Mm. And it said in 1836, Alabama was the first state to recognize Christmas as like a legal holiday, like in the state. It's the first one. Really? Number one. We number are one, number baby. one. We are number right. one. Number one in all things. Yeah. What really said that? As in to make it a number public, one in Christmas. Like a, a day yeah. off. Because it, I think it didn't Christmas become, didn't used to be a day off federally or anything like that. Well, it wasn't a federal holiday until like 1870, I read later in the mm-hmm. article. Uh, so Alabama was ahead by a long shot. Yeah. Which I was pretty excited to hear that. Number Ooh, one. Yeah. So before that, like people were just working on Christmas Day. I guess so. What year was that? Ebenezer Scrooge. Bar humbug, man, to everything before that. Um, 1836. Five years after the the capstone was founded. That's right. The University of Alabama, 1831. Really? So those five years prior to that announcement at the University of Alabama, they were probably still doing their studies on Christmas Day as well. Possibly. I guess so. Well, people go home for Christmas, or was the idea that you go home for Christmas, but you'd still have to go to work? Well, I have no idea. I don't know. The important thing is they decided it, even if it was just symbolic. It was probably one of those things where, I mean, you know, anybody could make, uh, probably no one did work, you know, probably it was just like a holiday or whatever, but I think like making it like a state holiday as in officially making it so that people who, employees of the government 
do not work that. Well, they probably wanted to make Christmas great. Well, again, and it's know. still mm. it's still eighteen thirty six. You know, so like Macga, make Christmas great again, Macca. Yeah, I mean it's still eighteen thirty six. So like even on Christmas Day, like you're probably going to be out splitting your firewood and doing what you got to do with the yeah, farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it was just a symbolic gesture, I think we can Brennan, all agree, thank you, Alabama, but, for yeah, making that. For no, definitely. Running down in the butcher shop and getting the biggest goose in the window. Yeah. Right. So it's not the hit on. Actually, you've hit on the thing I need to ask about. So any of our, another little transatlantic question, which is obviously a running theme for us, but is goose the the meat of the day in the Americas for Christmas? No. No. Ham. Ham. Yeah, ham's pretty... Pretty, uh, so you go ham because the, the, the big difference I think is that you know we go turkey Christmas Day that's the thing but you guys go turkey on Thanksgiving so that that's always right, makes yeah. me feel confused what do you do Christmas yeah. it's ham mostly, I don't is think it? there really is like ham. a like at least for my family and I mean I feel like a lot of like my friends that I grew up with Coulter maybe you can chime in is like Christmas for me was always less of like a big dinner it was more of like you have stuff cooking all day long. Like yeah, well, kind like of. A, that's, a, know, that's what Thanksgiving is too. Surely, is it just double feast then? Well, no. I mean, for Thanksgiving, we cook all day and then we sit down and have a big. Oh, you have a big, have dinner. a big. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. With Christmas, at least for my family, like we're just kind of like snacking. Oh, some cookies came out. We'll eat that. Oh, some biscuits came some out. Some canapes. Like yeah, just yeah. things are just kind of snackable and, all day long. Or we did a lot of like Christmas Eve things too, like yes. the Christmas Eve dinner and yes. then because like Christmas well, Day. Well that's like, that's the European tradition, you know. Like, so yeah, in Germany or Northern Europe certainly yeah. Christmas Eve is the big day. Christmas Day is just sort of hanging around, I think. Yeah, you know, you go to church or whatnot. But, yeah, that's yeah. what my wake up, do. open up presents. Yeah, so in our family though, I'd say we probably combine that. We have the big dinner, but it's just like an all day munch fest. You know, yeah. and you sort of wake up in the morning and it's like an enormous breakfast and then after that you'll just be sort of eating general small chocolates. So just kind of yeah. scoured around the house, you know. You'll sort of go to the bathroom. There'll be a bowl of chocolates there, you know. Exactly. Everywhere is, is chocolate and maybe some salted pork products and other places, you know, and, and cheese on the nightstand. You know, See, everything's you kind of it. food everywhere you go, you know. Yeah. And um, and what are those oranges? We have this thing where there's an orange, and you put oh, cloves in the orange. Oh, you, you know? do that. It looks like a weapon, like a mace. But um, but it's like a, a, a tasty mace, yeah. And um, so there's like just end, and then you have an enormous feast at the end of the. We have a late feast, so it's traditionally it's like the Christmas lunch, I think, in the UK. Then everyone stops oh. to watch the Queen's speech, of course. Um, but in our family, we we get busy with the dinner around sort of four or five because we often have like people around in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. This uh, is on Christmas Day. This is on Christmas Day, yeah. you know, and like, and then we'll be we we'll have people around for sort of some canapes and some bubbles and you know some beverages around sort of two ish after yeah. we've been to church to sing some carols and whatnot, you know. Been watching The Crown recently on Netflix. How does everyone is, uh, shout out to John Schultz, by the way. He was telling me about that today. I like it. It's good. I've never seen I've The Crown show. I feel like I've been hearing about it a lot. Yeah, I mean, is it came it about- out, it started last year. Uh, Claire Foy and Matthew Smith uh, of Doctor Who fame. Doctor Who fame. Is it and that's the guy that you met. Times? Who did I meet? Uh, at the shop one time. I don't know, Matthew Smith. Oh yeah, Matt Smith. Yeah, yeah Pete, yeah. you met you met Doctor Who. He came to buy a guitar yeah, yeah. one time. I didn't know who he was. He was a nice dude, though. Well, you know, he, Matt, if you're listening, you're, you're yeah, a nice big up dude. to you, Matt, and also big yeah. up to your friend Karen Doctor Who, who myself and Coulter never found. Yes, but we will but one, one day. day. Wait, so hold on, she's question. in Jumanji right now. We'll still we can find her. Is that right? Yeah, yeah she's in the cinema. So Karen Doctor Who, she's there. There you go, Karen. She's there to be found. Keep on running. Um, <laughs> wait, so is the Crown set? In modern times? No. Well, I mean, yes, but like, it depends on what you mean by modern. It's, it's in the twentieth century. Not like it's not. 
It's about the Queen, Queen it's Elizabeth, about the current right? Queen. Okay, okay, and just gotcha. younger. Gotcha. You know, like okay. it's set in like the late fifties, early sixties. I mean, I'm kind of intrigued by the popularity. It's very popular in the UK as well because yeah. a lot of people are royalists. You know, I mean, I haven't seen it, but this is it, the reason. Partly, I haven't seen it is in this week because having once been an actor for quite a while in the UK, and I'm not acting well as I mentioned a few times. I have this weird thing with British set shows, particularly large ones. I end up just knowing too many people in the cast. I don't mean that in a name droppy way because often just lots of people playing old small name, like, name dropping. Name dropping Hal John here, but um, but not even necessarily people playing main roles. Like I don't know those two leads, for example. But um, there's like the Crown. It's a bit like it's the same with Game of Thrones. You just see like random people popping up in small parts because they just cast yeah. British actors. You know, it's that thing. Yeah. If anything is set pre 1950, particularly if it's a fantasy or a science fiction universe, like, you just have to use British people for some weird reason. Especially yeah. if it's Roman times. You know, it's oh, yeah. Roman. They must be British. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, certainly never American, right? Yeah. Well, because, I mean, it's got to be... Uh, if they can do magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've got to be Brits. Tea, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah. But, it's, but it's the same with the crown, is that already, you know, just the old, like Facebook and stuff, it's just like, oh, yeah, look, Bob's got a part in the crown. He plays, like, fifth butler number three in episode four. <laughs> but it's genuinely a little bit like that. They put those TV programs on. Yeah. It's very, it's actually not only just disconcerting, but it means, like, it's that fundamental thing that I actually feel like I can't quite properly get into it, you know, as a fictional yeah, world. Yeah, you out of Yeah, because yeah. you want to sort of lose yourself in it. Yeah. Because but, you just know too many, you know, you're just too well-connected and, yeah, and too well, many things. Exactly, way, I just know too, too many things, cool. is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, Feet, listeners, yeah, names, yeah, are dropping. names are dropping everywhere. There's a heavy <laughs> clanging. That's what you heard in the last episode when Coulter dropped some of his equipment. Yeah. It wasn't equipment, actually. How it was just names. it was me dropping a name. I didn't even say it out loud. I was like, yeah. He said it quieter than the impact was. I just thought it, and then something fell off the wall. I can't watch the telly, because every time I see the Queen, I think about us playing I just, rugby. I just can't yep, watch football. the telly, Mary Poppins, uh, because otherwise sorry. all of my friends are there. That's my, that's my best uh, <laughs> English. Watching the telly. Cool. The Queen. Because that's what it's like of me watching the croon. Watching I sit the there, and I just think, oh, Blimini, there's my friend Jim <laughs> playing a small part on episode five. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that's my, but that's anyways, my international British. Impression. The reason why I brought the crown up, guys, oh, yeah, is we never uh, that uh, it, it goes into the whole, you know, the transition from the Christmas message being a radio only delivered thing to like mm. a television thing, and oh, like it's basically a way to. It was like a part of all these measures to like kind of modernize the monarchy and like make it seem more make like the queen more approachable mm. and like less separate from like everybody else it, it, all this stuff uh, I don't know it's, I don't, I don't want to like go into the plot of the entire episode for everybody who's Please, like seen give it us a, uh, give us yeah, a so quick, scene opens by scene on, <laughs> but it was Imagine like there was a PR screen. effort yeah. yeah I know I've heard about this or I've just read about it at some point maybe fairly recently but there was a PR effort wasn't there as in order to open the monarchy out yeah like after the second so that's war why the 50s, all the you know yeah. like when people you know how they how the queen like now hosts like civil servants and different people to like tease and stuff yeah that's all like like something they have summer parties yeah that's like post 50s stuff yeah okay before that it was just you know important people good for the queen i mean you can't not like the queen queenie not sure i'm not sure about prince charles just but just so just putting that out there but the queen Mm. i mean i hope she just lasts forever i'm sure she will i mean with modern technology and medicine as well well gotta like the queen gotta like uh you know Meghan markle oh dude I like Meghan Markle. Yeah, yeah, I vote for Meghan Markle. Same. Absolutely. Do you know, this was just a little side note, but I heard this, I remember when I was um, 
doing, uh, you know, learning about dialects and accents and stuff like that when I was attempting to do the acting. And there was this interesting theory about, like, you know, that dialects and accents are very informed by one, geography. And then the second one is, you know, and that makes a lot of sense, you know, it's a situational thing. Yeah. So, you know, your voice adapts to your circumstances, the energies you're in and whatnot. You know, there's lots of examples of that, that, you know, the urban accents tend to be, have a lot of, um, you don't need to use your mouth as much, you know, but there's a lot of emphasis in sound because everything's so noisy, you need to be louder, but you don't need to enunciate as much, you know, so if there's yeah. close by, for example, and then, you know, the, and the cliche goes that those from sort of rolling hilly countries have a sort of a rhythmic, bouncy uh, musical. But the other one is how the noises bounce off of the hills. Exactly, because the reverberating echoes in the Welsh valleys, that's why Welsh... It's real science, guys. If you want to put that... If you have like a paper or something to write for school you that is that, that is some scientification yeah. scientism for you there um on the uh, scientificity of uh, dialects and um but the one about i remember being told about aristocratic english like sort yeah. of like the royals english was that they're so high status they don't need to open their mouth very much as in they literally one don't need because people are just literally like what can i do for you all the time yeah. So and so, you just don't need to. You just don't need to move your lips or even really announce it because, so because like, you know because people are just hanging on every word. So you don't even need to make yourself heard because people are so like, what can I do for you at all times? You know, if, if you want to, if you want to get deeper into that, Hello. and Hello. listeners, if you care, there's a, a stuff you should know episode on a podcast episode called Stuff You Should Know uh, about precisely that. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I mean, it's about dialect, but like they go into all of these things apparently like a lot of uh, like english accents changed pretty dramatically with um like the advent of tv and movies oh yeah because more people were trying like actors would only be doing like a higher you know uh, a higher society yeah there'd be the sort of like all of the parts they could get everyone was speaking like that hello sam how are you yeah the like the common like what you know i think like when an american does an english accent absolutely it, it like more people started using that accent than actually would have had it historically yeah. only because of TV and then it became the Absolutely and the like you get you get English taught this accent. thing in English drama school it's called How Drill Hello welcome to the BBC but yeah, yeah you get taught this thing in English drama schools you get this, taught this thing called RP which means received pronunciation yeah. and like you're actually told on the first day that it, it is a fake accent yeah. essentially like it kind of inherently doesn't actually really exist it's a sort of composite of a sort of generalised almost like sort of newscaster modern kind of like vaguely sort of like southern England English which is a sort of I was about to use adjectives like sort of like clear and clean which obviously was just absurd because even me saying that reveals the bias towards it that somehow that accent is somehow some sort of gold standard as opposed to other ones but yeah the RP is I mean, my own speaking voice, because, you know, having spent so much time growing up in London, then living there is probably would be described by like a dialect coach as being something like RP meets what they call estuary, which refers to the Thames estuary. And estuary English is something that has a bit of an urban like inflection. I think you can hear it in the way you just said dialect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just that, exactly. Whereas if I was to speak really RP, everything would be just a little bit better spoken, a bit like that. Yeah. So can, I mean, now I'm kind of putting it on. I'm like kind of, I'm kind of putting it on. Yeah. yeah. So instead of me going, I'm kind of putting it on. It would be, I'm kind of putting it on. You know, a lot I'm doing a, and Yeah. And so that. you'd audition for things. You come out of drama school, and they yeah. just say, please prepare this in just standard RP. And um, but then you'd have heightened RP, which would be like a little bit more like that aristocratic. Yeah. But it's what you were talking about, and you heard on that podcast yeah, yeah. is precisely that. That there was this whole period where most of the plays being written, you know, people like 
Noel Coward or Somerset Maugham, the stuff that was being produced in most of the repertory houses, as well as Shakespeare, were on the most part characters being, you know, saying things like, hello, Dickie, how are you? You know, like, and, like talking in like witty bon mots the entire times. But then also you get people playing Hamlet, being like, to be or not to be, that is the question, whether it is nobler in the, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's radically changed as a result of that. It's yeah. a pretty fascinating thing. But... Christmas. But Christmas. <laughs> and the Queen now, to this day, is saying her Christmas mel- mes- melange, oh, melange message on the televisuals. What does, she, what does she tell you? Well, we never watch it in our family. Uh, not because mm-hmm. we're not um, monarchists particularly. I mean, I think I, I actually have never had this discussion with my family. But, um, I mean, maybe we are slightly Republican. I'm not sure where I am. I don't mind the royals. I quite like them as a symbolic institution. You know, I quite believe like, in the power of national symbols mm-hmm. and that sort of jam. But I have I not do, watched the Queen's speech for some time. So, like, I'd never really figured out the point of it until... So, like, that is one thing watching The Crown. We'll get back to Christmas in, like, one <laughs> second. But I think it is really interesting having, like, a symbolic figurehead mm-hmm. that isn't attached to politics... As opposed to like, like that sounds kind of nice, at least especially right no, now. I know, I know what in you like mean. flopping back and forth between a two party system where half of the country just hates the guts of whoever their president <coughs> yeah. is. You know what I mean? Well, I, well, I remember thinking precisely this um, when um, he who shall not be named, uh, well, I'll just call him the Donald or why not? You know, when the Donald was voted in a year ago, I remember thinking precisely that. I mean, it's the first time I'd really thought be that. nice I was to have, like, a, have a queen to just mm-hmm. be like, well, no, this is, this is yeah, my, because this is my the, dude. Look, I actually, I, I don't know. I mean, I, well, I'm not sure I had a particular position on it, but I remember thinking at the time going, well, this is interesting because I think I've suddenly got a firm sense when I was here of the level by which the president is looked on as a sort of fim- symbolic, figurehead of the country that sort of personifies like the sort he of, is our head of yeah, state exactly yeah. like the utopian idea he or but, she. but yeah. particularly as a country having the constitution which is you know the sort of utopian blueprint that you're always fighting towards which I think is still to this day I'm, I think is uh, since I've been here I find a very beautiful thing I'm very interested by that because we don't yeah. we kind of don't really have such a thing in the UK we have this sort of long a thousand year old body of case law and we have the Magna Carta was so long ago one kind of forgets about it you know but the sense of that being an active thing that the president sort of embodies these ideas but also has the executive authority to act around them but kind of physically embodies them. I remember thinking, and any British listeners you know, has ever email and tell us if you think otherwise, but I kind of felt myself, I was like, I don't think about the prime minister in the same way. Yeah. You know, because uh, partly because fundamentally in the UK, it's, I don't know if you guys would describe your democracy as a representative democracy. I mean, it is because you have the Senate and the House, but our one is a parliamentary representative democracy. And what that means, as, as you saw recently, was that um, Theresa May just got to be prime minister. Um, this is before the most recent election. Before that, she came in after, you know, Cameron after Brexit ended up you know, going south. And then there was a leadership election, but there wasn't a vote for her to be prime minister. Do you see what I mean? Unlike the presidency. She just sort of... Yes. Yeah, but, it, but because, because Cameron resigned. Yeah, because yeah, Cameron so resigned. The prime so minister is only the elected leader of the parliamentary party. Yeah. That's the yeah. fundamental difference. So they're not... I think there is levels by which, you know, the vote when it comes... Now, when there's an election in the in the UK, it's very kind of presidential in the way it's framed. It's all about the leader, but in the technicality, 
it's not a presidency in that respect. You're, you're actually just voting for... You're voting for the party. Your party's representative yeah, in, re- in your yeah. location, and, and then yeah, that exactly. party decides on who the leader is. Yeah, exactly. And hence, yeah. Cameron can, you know, sidestep back to whatever he's up to, and then... Um, and It cuts out some steps, though. Like, it's like the primary system and the general election in one in one yeah, go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All in one go. And it makes it a lot... Well, I say it makes it easier, but it's yeah, less convoluted, certainly. Yeah, just cuts a couple steps. Yeah, out. so he moves aside he was on after Brexit and then they had a leadership election within the party and it's the votes it's it's no, no one in the public has a say on it I mean it's yeah but the, if it's Trump was to, to also yeah. resign no one would have a say yeah. on it either it would just, yeah, it, it would just Mike goes. Pence would go or if Trump and Pence were to resign then it's Paul Ryan I mean there's a, but, there's a chain yeah. of command of like we actually have because you can also call special or you can call yeah. an election Whenever you want, you know, like your, yeah, your yeah. prime well, minister well, actually, can say there was an election well, yeah, in it, six months. Weirdly, they passed an act like four or five years ago where it's called the Fixed Parliament Act, which has changed that. But um, but that was certainly the case up until literally very recently yeah. where they could just – and it's weird because I know what you mean. Like, obviously, Pence could step in if, if Trump was to be declared insane. I mean, that's never going to happen. But, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but if that were to – there's that chain of command. But I think within – there can be a deputy prime minister position in the UK, but it's only appointed according to the current prime minister how they want to set up their cabinet. It's not a permanent position. Yeah. And if – Theresa May, for example, after being defeated in the re- recent Brexit vote a couple of days ago, for ex- if theory she was going to be like, well, fuck this, I'm out. You know, there wouldn't necessarily green, uh, you know, there isn't a deputy PM at present, I don't think, or I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who's listening, but who would then immediately step in. What would happen is there'd be a lead- leadership election of all the MPs in the party would go, we are voting for the next person. And no one in the country gets to vote for that person. That's what makes it so nuts. Because so, it was like, you know, after the Brexit thing happened, she stepped in, you know, there was that chance that old Boris Johnson potentially was going to fight, you know, fight his way to become prime minister, which everyone knows he dearly wants to be. But no one in the country would have had a chance to vote for him for up to like another four years after that. He just would have been representing the party, but ergo gets to be prime minister. Hmm. It's very peculiar. But anyway, but all of that, be that as it may, uh, was that I don't think we think about the prime minister in the same way that you guys think about a president. You know, the, yeah. in terms of that somehow sort of well, physical embodiment of the yeah. sort of ideals of the country, they're seen as more, I think, as a powerful figure. But in a weird sort of way, I think fundamentally that the election of Trump made me realise in myself that you think that I think we think of the prime minister in the UK as being a sort of a as a civil servant, really, yeah. as a yeah. sort of a functionary, but one, albeit one that's very important. But yeah. that in terms of where the symbols of the nation, they are symbolic, obviously, and the, the job is symbolic. But in terms of the power of the symbol, yeah. the, uh, the royalty actually has, is more akin, I think, to how you guys think yeah, about the president. Yeah, so like, like between the, the, the prime minister and the queen, you have, or you know, whoever the head of the royals is at the mm. time, you've split the, uh, like the personage of the president into two different roles. Yeah, like, kind of. Yeah. If you think, if you think about the idea of like the the Olympics or something like that, like the queen or the royal, you know, like some a royal person is more symbolically tied to like you know, like when the Olympics were in London, like you know the yeah. like uh, the queen was like the kind of you know the the honorary figure of that thing whereas if if something like that is in america it's it's the president and you know yeah. not the prime 
I mean, in the absolutely, yeah. that's all we have. We just oh, have fact, the president. So the prime minister probably has doesn't do as many of the symbolic yeah. things. And also, from an admin perspective, it's kind of handy to have a few of them around in that respect because yeah. you're like, well, we've got a few big things happening this year. You know, yeah. the queen also. No one's like, no one likes Theresa at the moment, so no one's going to cheer when she steps onto the field. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, the queen's not available. Was well, Prince Philip? Oh, he's retired. Oh, how about Princess Anne? Well, I, she's having a doze and drinking some gin. Um, who's available? Oh, look, Prince Harry's available. Let's get him in on the action, or yeah. Prince Andrew. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they have this sort of. That's what they. That's what they're kind of good for, you know, yeah. because they're supposedly a sort of these neutral but unifying. And they can knight people and <laughs> hand out awards and all yeah. these things. Whereas, like here, it's like the president not only has to be functionally in charge of the government, but also like pin purple hearts on people and medals of honor. But, you and know, all that stuff. it's you know, I guess not pin purple, but, hearts, but medals of honor. It's true to a point, but the UK. Royalty is it's is still complex in other ways. So we're not, I think, as detached from it as some of the more the other new Northern European states are. Like you know, yeah. the Dutch and the and the Scandies. You know, I think I think potentially do that a bit better. They have separated it further. You know, church and state and royalty in the UK is still constitutionally entwined. And you know, the Prime Minister still has to go. They have this thing called the audience. You know, lots of people will know about that. There was yeah. a famous play about it recently with Helen Mirren playing the Queen. But once a week, the Prime Minister has to go and spend half an hour with the Queen. And the Queen's just like, "What's up, Theresa?" And Theresa's like, oh, "I've had a shit week. You know, I got voted down. This is what's happening." And yeah. uh, Donald's about to start a war with um, Kim, and you know, and the Queen's like, oh, "That's terrible." More tea, you know. But that happens like yeah. once once yeah. a week still. So there's this sense of service. I'm aware. I've seen the Crown. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah. but there's not that much detachment. And also theoretically, you know, the Queen's speech is the year. It's a thing where every year they present this. The bill of legislation, the government, and the Queen has to come in to Parliament and say this is what's going to happen. So this is all functionary, but the whole idea is it's completely separate. She can never refuse to sign off on a bill, and she never has, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, not that I can remember. But there's been a big constitution. There's been a bit of a crisis recently. Yeah, she does technically get to. She can also pick the. She early, could, she, can, yeah. she has to approve the the Prime Minister. Also, she has right? to approve yeah. the Prime Minister. So if there's a hung Parliament, that's a big deal, you know. And theoretically, someone's just supposed to come to her and say. This is who it's going to be, you know. If but it, it, in those circumstances where it's really tight, she theoretically could still legally still swing it, and um, theoretically, but I don't think that's happened because it's never been too. But it has been tight recently. There's been some hung parliaments, you know. But the, the more interesting example, which is that Prince Charles famously like sticks his oar into government policy a lot. And like uh-huh. writes letters and lobbies ministers, you know. There was a famous case recently. He writes these memos. They've been known as the Black Spider memos because his because his handwriting is sort of spindly and uses like this intense old school ink. And he writes Ooh. these like letters to government ministers protesting about things. And he's very famous for like sticking his oar into like particularly property developments and whether he thinks things are beautiful or not enough. And you know, decisions it's been shown I think have been reversed as a result of that. And that's kind of a lot of people get pissed about that, and understandably because he's using his role to yeah. interfere mm. when there shouldn't you know legally speaking there should be none and those people who apologize for it say things like well he's a human being of course he has an opinion you know he should be allowed to express his opinion you're like well yeah you know he has an opinion but i'm yeah. not sure like he should be receiving taxpayers money and living in that an enormous castle that he does and then getting to all you know that's the sort of debate that goes on hmm yeah, there you are. What, 45 minutes in, do we want to pivot back to Christmas? Yes, <laughs> Christmas. Have we spent 45 minutes talking about talking about all that other stuff? I or mean, no. no, we've talked about it. We've just spent 45 minutes talking in general and singing a little bit. Yeah, we did have a little sing song. Well, I didn't do anything. We did talk about Christmas. Being. 
We talked about Christmas oh, yeah. fairly extensively, didn't we? We would have what we had the Southern Christmas. Little, yeah, we talked a little bit about it. Well, Alabama founded Christmas. That's what we said well, a little yeah. while ago. I mean, that is the main fact to know about Christmas. <laughs> do you want to hear it's some sub basic uh, understanding? Yeah, that is sub basic. Um, do you want to hear some hyper basic um, Welsh Christmas traditions? I just wanted to bring them in because I'm sure before Christmas, these are things that I have never heard of. But I was doing a little bit of reading about you know, some old traditions that have kind of been forgotten. And um, and I just thought some of them are really, really, well, kind of hilarious. But, I mean, some of my favourites, there was just a little thing of lost Welsh traditions. And my, one of my favourite ones was this thing called Rende. Rende, as in the bird, the Ren, W-R-E-N. And Rende was a 19th century Welsh uh, festive tradition, which is on Twelfth Night, which is, um, you know, uh, Epiphany, I think, which is like the 5th or 6th of January, the end of the Christ- of the, mm-hmm. of the uh, Advent calendar, um, where it was a tradition where groups of men would go out to hunt the wren, hunting the wren. And once they, so literally, you know, a wren is a small bird. When you think about it, it's not like they have to. They obviously head off into a forest to try and capture a wren. God knows how, whether maybe with a net or something like that. And they, they, once they've got one, the bird would then be caged in a wooden box, and it would be carried from door to door in a town or a village for everyone to see. And it apparently happened, there's a place called Carew, which has a castle, um, which was a famous place for the Rende. But one of those sort of strange localised traditions where, for, it doesn't say where it comes from, but at some point that evolved over time, where to celebrate the end of Christmas, you had to go out and capture an extraordinarily small and tricky bird. And then it would be paraded as a sort of like triumphant end to the Advent season. That's incredible. Also, the the carrying it around town. My like mental image of that is they just like walk around in a group with this small bird in a little cage, knocking on doors and be like, "Hey, look at this! We've caught we've caught the wren. Uh, Hey, can I help you? (laughs) Look, it's a bird. Yeah, look at this. Thanks a lot, Phil. I saw it last year, man. Well. Merry Christmas. Isn't that great? Yeah. There was a Merry Christmas in in Welsh. Uh, Nadolig Llawen. Nadolig I I just said that off the top of my head. Jesus Christ. I hope I got that right. Nadolig Llawen. Yeah, Nadolig Llawen. That's exactly what it means, yeah. Thank God I got that right. Jesus Christ. I'll be embarrassed if I didn't. But there's also a sort of Welsh... um, Another one I I was reading about is that there's... Uh, a equivalent to like trick or treating, but for Christmas time, which has subsequently been forgotten, maybe because Halloween became more popular and they were like, well, we can't do it twice a year. Yeah. But it was called um, Kalenig, the tradition of the Kalenig. And the Kalenig was from dawn until noon on New Year's Day. So it was a generally an Advent tradition, essentially. So on New Year's Day, children, again, a 19th century tradition, uh, children in Wales would go from door to door and they would knock on the door and they would sing some rhymes or some carols and they would splash people with water and they would ask for Kalenig, which which means a gift of small change. So oh. it's a form of like Welsh child extortion, water torture that Wait, would happen. The children with water? Or the no, no, they'd splash, splash the other. So the kids on the first day of New Year. So imagine like you were growing up. Splash yeah, them so, with you know, water, or they would splash so, them and then ask for No, something. they'd splash them, then ask for water. So, you know, just imagine like you're a six year old Ivor Davis, you know, living in yeah. Aber- in Aberystwyth or whatever. 
you know, you've got a terrible hangover this New Year's Day. You know, you've had um, several pints of the wassail the night before. We'll come to the wassail oh, in a yes. bit. And um, you've enjoyed yourself, um, you know, over the festive season. You've imbibed too much. You've feasted, you've fund, you've fleshed. As you do at, at six. As you do, as yeah. you do. Um, when you're 60, I said 60, not six. So I'm talking about from uh, the perspective of an old adult. I thought you said six. Well, you know, in Wales, you know, start them early. But, um, but you know, I think it's you're an old man. You're old Ivor Davis or even, let's say, old Gwendolyn Davis. If we can, I guess maybe Mr. and Mrs. Davis, and they've sure. had, they've, and then you know you've, you've had a, a, f- a fulsome time, but you've got a cracking hangover. It's New Year's Day, and then there's a knock on the door, you know, and you open the door, and there's you know little Yanto Jones with a bucket of water, which he then chucks in your face and says, "Give me some money," and you do. I mean, because that's just the tradition. I mean, is it cold at this time? I mean, I would, yeah, of course it's cold. I mean, maybe that's the point. Maybe it's like a hangover cure. The, the, the little, yeah. The little yeah, maybe they're requesting it. it. The little sprites go like bounding around the village. <laughs> little little, little Mary Evans and Yantor Jones, you know, knock on the door and go, uh, you know, <laughs> chuck some more. It just seems completely bananas. I've mean, never heard yeah. of this before. I feel like, I I like would get- how's your hangover? <laughs> Give me some money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Nadali <laughs> Klawen. And um and it works. Sounds pretty well to me. Yeah, there you go. And uh, so that is the and the last thing I mentioned the um I mentioned there's two more which I wanted to mention the so obviously I mentioned the wassailing, um, but before we get to the wassailing, which I think is probably the nice uh, the more positive sign off of the Welsh traditional um, Christmas fair, there was a tradition called holming, spelled H O L M I N G. So holming again is some form of sort of torturous punishment it seems to me as with the sort of like masochistic behaviors that were going on in in 19th century wales but the day after christmas so again it's like you know kind of like the day after so we've had kalenig which is on new year's day so you've been celebrating and then you get cold water splashed on you and you have to pay for the pleasure homing was the day after christmas so you feasted and drunk all day and you're waking up the next day boxing day and it was a kind of unpleasant ritual to be homed was um whereby if the last person <laughs> to get out of bed in the morning on Boxing Day would be beaten with a prickly holly sprig. Wow. All right. Yeah, so... That sounds like a uh, tradition I'm going to start adding into my... Fan, you know, like, you know, when I have kids or whatever. It's kind yeah. of kinky, you know, in some respects, you could say, but... Um, hey, don't say that about my kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just going to imagine that, but I guess it's going to get you out of bed in the morning, right? Because yeah. you're going to go to yeah, bed on Christmas to. night. You've been, you know, you've been, you know, wassailing and eating turkey and goose and ham until the small hours and watching the Queen's speech and repeat, um, reading the pigeon message that she sent you in 19th century West Wales. And um, and then you're, you know, you've got this, you have to be really mindful. And obviously there's no electronic alarm clocks get out of bed. You just have to hope. Yeah. Now you're going to bed thinking, what if I'm not the first out? Because how am I going to know? Like, I, I hope my cockerel like sings particularly sharply at dawn so i'm the first one out because if you're not you're going to wake up thinking i'm out and before you know it the whole family's there at the bottom of the bed holding a holly sprig and thrashing you before you've even had your morning tea why you stay up all night yeah absolutely maybe that's why they call it boxing day (laughs) yeah holiday yeah uh, anyway, the last one which I really liked was the idea of the wassail bowl. So we've all heard about wassailing, which is the sort of festive drinking. But it, the wassail bowl was a, um, a festive tradition in Wales where it literally just is a big bowl of booze, which I just thought was a really nice idea. And um, you'd have a huge, ornate bowl that would be filled with fruit and sugar and spices and topped up with warm beer. Yeah. And um, it everyone. Looks particularly like cauldron esque. Yeah, it was like yeah, an enormous like cauldron. And a massive iron pot. So maybe like the tradition of mulled wine. 
that yeah. we've all taken forward comes from the like mold beer. Yeah, but it's right. mold beer. It's spicy beer. Moldy essentially beer. moldy beer. Mold beer. Moldy um or the the uh, Welsh word for beer. Have I told you this guys? No. It's a rather lovely word. It's kuru. Kuru. Oh, I like kuru. that. Yeah, kuru. yeah, yeah. That so nice. it's a moldy kuru or some spicy kuru. I, I, I take that. Wassailing. Wassailing with your with your warm kuru. What you got, C-Bomb? You got any like particular weird family traditions that you do for Christmas? I was trying to think. Uh, we didn't do a ton of, you know, just like no, nothing like super out of the ordinary or anything like that. We um, we did like just normal, like big, big like uh, family Christmas party. And then uh, we would go to Tennessee a lot to yeah. my grandparents' farm. So like mm. I just kind of associate it more with... Uh, with just like hanging out with the fam and stuff like that, yeah. And uh, well, we did a few in in Birmingham as well, like just with me and my parents or whatever. Yeah. But is that caroling and things like that? Uh, no, that's not. I mean, well, I also didn't live in like an urban. I, I feel like that's something that yeah, like be a little harder to do. Like an urban door to environment. Door. Yeah. Also, I don't really think that that's a thing that really maybe happens in the in the United States as much as it does in. I think that's like a I've ever done. Did, I did it did once actually in, when I was a little kid. In the UK? Yeah, door to door caroling is definitely a real thing. Yeah. It's still I think it still happens. And um, I appreciate how the And there are carol much. services, you know, like you'll go to it's the I yeah. think yeah, it's, carol services. Yeah, yeah. But you'll have like door to door caroling and people caroling in the streets, maybe for charity as well, you know. But it, it is a lot of the carols will be religious in nature, certainly you know, Christian in nature obviously, but yeah. um but it, it's much more just to do with the season. Like people will sing them, nothing with any sense. It's like a fully secularized, I think, experience of yeah, the yeah. Christian Christmas story. It's like just part and parcel of the experience. Everyone will be singing, you know, um, "God rest you, merry gentlemen," or um, uh, just all the t- traditional Christian um, the Christmas bell rocks. Yeah, yeah, jingle bell rock. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, that's all I want for Christmas. Is all I want for Christmas to, uh, in you. I'm a particular fan of the um, the, the uh, f- you know the the, the four part. The sort of choral choir boy church harmony yeah. version of um, "All I Want for Christmas Is You" that I hear on a sort of regular yearly yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah. My younger brothers used to sing in a um, very well-respected um, church choir, actually, genuinely yeah. called the Temple Church in uh, Central London. If you ever read the Da Vinci Code, um, shout out to all you conspiracy Christian theorists out there, um, <laughs> then you'll know the Temple Church because it's where Tom Hanks's character, whatever that guy's called, um, goes to. It's where the Knights Templars, one of their original churches in uh, Central London, uh-huh. is a thousand years old, but they have a very beautiful choir. And so that's one of our experiences. Did they we do would a, always uh, go and sing nine that. lessons and carol service or whatever. Yeah, they do something like that. It's actually the Temple Church Choir concert is pretty. There's like a couple of famous like old school choirs in the country that do like a big carol service every year, and it's often broadcast on the radio. Yeah. One, the most famous is the King's College Chapel in Cambridge, or yeah. I think it's Cambridge, and um, that's kind of worldwide on the world service. But the Temple Church one is ticketed, you know, and they used to sing in that. But um, they never did actually do a version. I was joking to say that they did a version yeah. of All I Want for christmas is you but i feel like it wouldn't go amiss you know hey i'm that's that's a good christmas song i ain't hating but it's a it's a kid's tradition the sort of going of going from door to door you know to sing carols and to yeah yeah, it's just not really a thing in america uh, which i wish it was i mean i would love to do that when i was a kid yeah it's a shame. I'd surprise not as much of a thing. No. It was, I mean, I was saying everyone's doing it all the time. It's not like on Christmas yeah. Eve you open the door and there's just like throngs of kids pounding the streets singing Christmas carols, yeah. or like I said, in West Wales knocking on the door and chucking yeah. cold water in your face and demanding money. But um, yeah. see that, that that to me is like one of my like, like why I love Christmas as a holiday so much is 
just the amount of traditions like just small little like ah that's my favorite part of the whole thing i love that my family has tons of little like weird little big, big shout out to uh i'm going to i was just reminded i'm going to a carol service on on uh sunday and the ham big shout out to redeemer it's gonna be the lyric wow the lyric the lyric yeah. and beham yeah they gave out like the rest the most beautiful restored theater in the south if not america i would say and um Anyone who's passing through Birmingham, go and have a look at the Lyric Theatre. It was it'll, derelict for 50 years and it's been beautifully restored. It'll be my first time actually going, attending. I saw Lyric. Randy Newman singing the Lyric. I told yeah. you that, didn't I? Yeah. God, it was good. What a beautiful spot. Actually, you know, the, in terms of the carol singing traditions, and I'm saying that kids do it, The probably the one of the most famous... Um, I just dug it up because I just remembered. Um, but one of the most famous pieces of contemporary Welsh literature is a Dylan Thomas short story, which is like a kind of fundamental piece in the canon now, not only in Wales, but I think in the English speaking language, it's called A Child's Christmas in Wales. And it ends with a little ex, a story about a little passage about him and, it, and, and some kid when he was talking about his childhood, going from door to door singing carols and ghost, and ghost stories and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll read a paragraph on as a little outro. I think you ought. Oh. You ought. I shall. What have you? I don't know that your family has a lot of Christmas traditions, Dude, Pete. We do a lot of them. You hide the pickle. Hide the pickle. That sounds oddly sexual. If you, you don't hide do it the in pickle. Context. It's an old German tradition. Apparently. I think you need to explain that. We have a. Uh, I mean, I imagine in the old German, in old Deutschland, they probably maybe hit a real pickle. But we have a pickle ornament. Um, that on. Are we Christ- saying like a gherkin? Yeah, well, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's just like yeah. a, it's a, a pickled a, cucumber. Yes. Yeah, yeah, pickled yeah. cucumber. Yeah. Just seeing what sort of pickle. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and we hide it in the tree. My parents would hide it when we were younger. Would hide it in the tree, and we would have to come and find it. And whoever finds it hidden in the tree gets a little like extra bonus gift. That is great. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit like an Easter egg hunt, but for Christmas yeah, time with a pickle. Fun. Yeah, we used to have to. We do a lot of weird stuff. We used to have to wait on the staircase. We'd all sleep downstairs. My brother and sister and I. Mm. And uh, we'd have to wait downstairs, and my parents would have to check to see if Santa Claus came before we came up there, so we wouldn't be, you know, disappointed if he didn't or something. <laughs> I don't really know what the deal was with that, but we had to sit on the stairs for an unbearably torturous amount of time. It's like being sent to the naughty corner or something like that. Yeah, it? it was it was terrible. Uh, we do Christmas Eve not chicken nachos. I'll that's, tell you exactly our, why you had to sit down there because your parents go to bed unbelievably early and there's no way that they put the presents under the tree <laughs> at night. That's definitely true. They're like, no, we're going to do this in the morning. We can do this right now. No, man, it's because Santa Claus was... What are you, t- what are you talking about? Yeah. My parents. What? Parents? Yeah. Your parents are Santa Claus. I'm sorry. I, I don't... What? I'm saying your parents are the real Santa Claus. And oh, Mrs. okay. Claus. Listeners, what you're hearing yeah. now is like this a is real Peter live Claus. explosion of false consciousness. <laughs> Wait, Reality this, is dawning. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, for Christmas Eve night, we all get a pair of pajamas. Like that's like a... Identical pajamas? No, separate pajamas. Huh. And, uh, and then we eat chicken nachos, which is... Mm, this is my favorite meal on the planet Earth in this... If if any of you are healthy people, this Christmas is gonna tradition, make you upset. chicken nachos. Yeah, dude, it's literally Velveeta like queso mm. dip. Mm. Like, oh, I should say Rotel dip. Yeah, with chunks of chicken cooked into it. And that sounds amazing. Doritos. And that sounds like that some form of. Is this a, like an ancient tradition? Oh, it's yeah, yeah it's an old uh, Norwegian. Yeah, uh, Viking. I thought it went back even further than that to like Cyprus. 
yeah, it's a Cypriot Viking no, that's tradition. Stupid. This, they didn't have the uh, the church at Corinth. They didn't have nachos, dude. That's a Viking. The na- yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I'm sorry, not yeah. nachos, Doritos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's Everybody a me- that's a Mexican that. Viking Leif tradition. Leif Erikson, man. Yeah. You're right. That the Dorito was, uh, founder. Uh, Cyprus only Leif had Erikson Cyprus is. only had Tostitos. They had, well, and Velveeta. Yeah, but they didn't have Doritos at that time. Leif yeah. Erikson is. Um, Yes, who discovered America, of course, let's all forget, with, and he brought those Doritos. With uh, you mean the Basque? Yeah, Seat Basque. Seat Basque. Seat Basque. Um, well, yeah. you hide the pickle. I mean, that is, I've, yeah, uh, man. that's maybe the highlight of my day. It's great. I'm going to take that with me back to the UK. I'm going to do some reverse colonialism. Though. This year, I'm going to go back, see all my nephews. I'm going to, you know what we're going to do today, Lance? Make them find the pick- And they're going to, they're going to say, what are we pickle? going to do, Uncle Howell? And I'm going to say, we're going to hide the pickle, my boys. That's right. And um, then someone will call the police. Just say, then, <laughs> then your sister-in-law is going to call the police. Yeah, you, call no, the bobbies, mm, the constable. The, <laughs> call the local bobby, Mary Poppins. And then, uh, well, what's the internet reception like in in uh, British jail? Uh, that's a good so question. So we can keep doing the, the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, do you, you get your one phone call right. That's the theory, isn't it? Jail. Do, do they have a Do time? they spell it G-A-O-L? Imagine if you can make a request to jail. Can I do my weekly episode of the Fire Escape, please? It'll only be about an hour, anywhere between an hour and an hour (laughs) 25, depending on how excited we are about the conversation. Oh, my God. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Hide the pickle. Merry Christmas. Hide the pickle. Just trying to play a simple game of hide the pickle and wound up in the old big house. (laughs) What's a famous, like, we know we got Sing Sing here in Leavenworth. Is, Is there a famous British jail? Oh, that's a good question. Besides uh, the Tower of London or whatever. Oh, you mean like a slang term for no, jail. like, a, no, like, like sing a sing is uh, is is an arsoning. Like it's yeah. it's just like slangified from arsoning. Like we've got the rock. Oh, the rock. Wow, wow. Oh, like, yeah, Alcatraz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this probably is. I'm just trying to. I'm, I mean, my mind's drawing a blank off the top. I grew up not far from a prison. Is, um, called is there a jail? Pentonville Remand, which was an old school Victorian jail, which is a sort of mean looking. That's spot. the most British sounding. Uh, yeah. Is there a jail Pentonville at Scotland Prison. Yard, or is it just like a headquarters for whatever it's just they the head, do? It's just the headquarters yeah. for the for the cops, for yeah. the five the coppers, Bobby, for the bobbies, for those bobbies on the beat. Come I'm trying to. I'm genuinely. I'm not trying to think of. Yeah. There, well, the first, actually, there is a quite a famous one which is referred to in a Smith song. There is a uh, a famous prison in Manchester called Strange Ways. Strange Ways. Ah. Yeah, Strange Ways, Here We Come, right? I think yeah. it's the name of the song or the album. Um, but yeah, I think it's Strange Ways. Good Jesus Christ, maybe I'm like I'm turning that into a different name. But yeah, there's the Strange Ways. And also there's a very famous like crazy person's prison, as in sort of psychiatric oh, yeah. crazy person called Broadmoor. And that's where like all the really, really, and it's on like in the middle of nowhere on the Yorkshire Moors. Like it's a sort of, you know, it's the stuff of nightmares, that place. When when we were in Tuscaloosa, we it's lived. where the Krampus is at, you know, if he's going to be that's anywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. In Tuscaloosa, we lived, uh, I mean, what? It couldn't have been two, 200 yards, maybe, from... Uh, yeah, Bryce. From, well, no, no, or the from. one on Helen Keller. Uh, that was oh, kind of tucked back in the woods that nobody yeah. knew was there, but it was literally... I mean, it, it could not have been more than 200 yards from this communal... Or not communal, but campus living apartment complex. Yeah. They put the students next to the jail, as we were uh, saying. <laughs> No, not the jail, like a... No, no, it was like um, a criminally insane facility. Yeah, correctional facility. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Criminally insane. Yeah, it was a a gnarly place. Because there's like a... There is another like insane asylum or whatever in Tuscaloosa, but it's not for... It's just for... Yeah, normal hus- mental hospital. Yeah, it's a mental hospital. Yeah, um, not, I guess not. But this one was uh, not not the uh, correct. This one was like Arkham Prison. Yeah, 
Like yeah, it, it was definitely had the Joker. Wow. Two faces in there, you know, Mercy. all them. Calendar, uh, Calendar Man, Condiment King, yep. uh, Polka Dot Man. The Magpie, worst of the worst. Kite Man. Those are all real Batman villains. Allega- uh, crocodile? crocodile? Doc Croc. A little there Croc. in Alabama. Croc. What was that guy? That's name? from Spider-Man. No, is it? Killer oh. Croc is Killer is, Croc. Uh, That's bat- Batman. That's Batman. Yeah. Well, right. uh, now that we're lingering on the criminally insane in this festive Farscape <laughs> edition, should, like, can I, should we like, find our way back to something more heartwarming? We should, yeah. Maybe as a little let's outro. Close out on a, uh, should I close well, out? Should I, should I read a little? Yeah. Actually, Pete, well, but just before that, yeah. just so our, you know, our listeners have something to look forward to, we just we discussed pre-episode that we you're heading back to jolly old soon right i am heading back to uh i'm gonna be across in the pond uh, across the pond yeah uh this right to blimey i'm heading across the pond and um i'm gonna be in london for christmas day actually and then i'm going down to uh pembrokeshire oh splendid. yeah so we'll oh, i think our next <laughs> on uh, boxing day yeah will it be our next episode maybe well we might all be in different episode? Places, yeah, I think we're gonna do not only a transatlantic uh, episode. It's not next episode, then the episode after next episode. Yeah, well, yeah. As listeners are listening to this one, it would be the second next. Yeah, well, actually, the one after this one will be like on Christmas Day itself or something like that. If we can get together for then, but whatever happens, we will be. I will be um, across the pond in good old Blighty, and you guys will be in different parts in the United States. Mm. So we're going to be doing some transatlantic, trans America, triple field field work, triple threat, trinify, festive um, fire escaping. That's right, and yeah. As per usual, um, you can this time you can email us at fireescapepod at gmail dot com. Nailed it. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at fireescapepod. Nailed it. You can nailed it, nailed find it. me <coughs> at Coulter Levi <coughs> on the tweets and the Instagrams. You can find Pete on the Instagrams at buttermilk underscore Pete. And as always, Howell is mysteriously findable. But you can find me on the Fire Escape email. Yeah, you can That's find right. Howell on the Fire Escape email. That is yeah, true. Yeah, yeah Howell yeah, will be can our find official me correspondent. Just write yeah. me a letter. You know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, send, send me a, a pigeon, pigeon letter. Pigeon send me post. a pigeon post or a smoke message or a email correspondent, and I will we'll get, reply. We'll get you a PO box number. Sent one Digital. of these. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Digital I would love a PO box number. That'd be fantastic. Um, uh, how would you mind like, I just uh, discovered it there's like a nice little sort of probably a few minutes worth of the end of a child's Christmas in Wales it's on a sort of caroling festive tip and a sort of nostalgic journeying home sort of tip Yeah. how about that should I do that just to, to read us out I would love it and, is this um, the Dylan Thomas yeah this piece? is from so everyone listening here this is from a, a beautiful beautiful short story which is called A Child's Christmas in Wales by Dylan Thomas the bard <laughs> The Bard of Wales. Um, Should I put some music under this while you uh, in the in the final version? I think in the final oh, version, yeah, you definitely um, you definitely should. Yeah. Um, so um, hopefully that music will kick in any time now. So from a child's Christmas in Wales by Dylan Thomas. Bring out the tall tales now that we told by the fire as the gaslight bubbled like a diver. Ghosts wooed like owls in the long nights when I dared not look over my shoulder. Animals lurked in the cubbyhole under the stairs, and the gas meter ticked. And I remembered that we went singing carols once, when there wasn't a shaving of a moon to light the flying streets. 
At the end of a long road was a drive that led to a large house, and we stumbled up the darkness of the drive that night, each, of, each one of us afraid, each one of us holding a stone in his hand in case, and all of us too brave to say a word. The wind through the trees made noises as of old and unpleasant and maybe web-footed men wheezing in caves. We reached the black bulk of the house. What shall we give them? Hark the herald? No, Jack said. Good King Wenceslas, I'll count three. One, two, three, and we began to sing, our voices high and seemingly distant in the snow-felted darkness round the house that was occupied by nobody we knew. We stood close together near the dark door. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen, and then a small, dry voice, like the voice of someone who has not spoken for a long time, joined our singing. A small, dry, eggshell voice from the other side of the door. A small, dry voice through the keyhole. And when we stopped running, we were outside our house. The front room was lovely, balloons floated under the hot water bottle gulping gas. Everything was good again, and shone over the town. Perhaps it was a ghost, Jim said. Perhaps it was the trolls, Dan said, who was always reading. Let's go in and see if there's any jelly left, Jack said, and we did that. Always on Christmas night there was music. An uncle played the fiddle, a cousin sang Cherry Ripe, and another uncle sang Drake's Drum. It was very warm in the little house. Auntie Hannah, who had got onto the parsnip wine, sang a song about bleeding hearts and death, and then another in which she said her heart was like a bird's nest, and then everybody laughed again, and then I went to bed. Looking through my bedroom window out into the moonlight and the unending smoke-coloured snow, I could see the lights and the windows of all the other houses on our hill and hear the music rising from them up the long, steady-falling night. I turned the gas down. I got into bed. I said some words to the close and holy darkness, and then I slept. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas.
What's wrong with the beer we got? I mean, the beer we got drank pretty good, don't it? Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit for plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with auto pay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit for plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.